I remember uh, being in a grocery store when I was a kid, uh, not, uh, you know, not even about maybe waist high to most adults and things. I went there, you know, grocery shopping with my mom. And a grocery store is a fascinating place when, you know, when you're, when you're uh, young. There's just so many things. And I am uh, easily distracted. I think, I don't really like that term. I think what's more appropriate is I am very easily refocused. You know, I mean, that, that's kind of what it is, isn't it? I, I, I am just very easily refocused, and I would sometimes wander a few steps away from my mom, either because I was looking at something uh, and walk away, or because I stayed to look at something as, you know, as she continued on down the aisle. And I very clearly remember um, getting to the end of one aisle and looking up to say something to my mother, and there was a different lady's head up there. You know, uh, 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 it was the same raincoat that I had been following, you know, but it, but it wasn't my mother, you know. And I looked out the aisle, and there she was, you know, and I, I was able to, to uh, very quickly get down there and, you know, get back to my mother, the person I wanted to be with. Um, you know, I was, I was shocked, a bit frightened. Um, I'd been following the wrong person. You know, I mean, I thought I was, I follow, I was following someone. I, I thought I was following my mother, but I was following someone else. Uh, and the, uh, I kept a closer eye on her the rest of the time. I'd look up a little more often to make sure it was still her and not that other woman you know, that I didn't even know. Um, as God's people, you know, as God's people, those with a relationship with Christ, we can get very easily distracted, refocused. See, we get by, by a lot of different things, you know, by wants and desires, by needs, by challenges, by frustrations, by life. If we're careful, uh, we can think that we're walking with God. And what we can find out is that we are really have ended up following someone else or something else other than God. Thinking that we were walking along with God. We need to look up. We need to look up. We need to be careful we're following God and not something that simply resembles God. There's a big difference here. We're going to be back in Colossians today, starting today, but let's pray before we uh, turn to the passage. Father, thank you that you are a God who wants us to know you. You're not hiding from us. Uh, you want us to see you. Help us, help us to do that. Help us to see you more clearly. Help us to understand you more deeply. That as we look into your word this morning, that you would need to teach us. You would help us to get some of the other junk and garbage out of the way uh, that we have put there and help us to see help us to take a good look and to make sure that what we're following who we're following is really you not some other ideas thoughts or substitutes in any way some are obvious to us some are not so open our eyes we pray in christ's name amen we're going to be in colossians chapter 2 we're going to start with verse 16 really it's on page 1084 in the pew bible if that's what you're using it's been two months since we've been in colossians we took a little break um it was uh, you know i had my surgery and pastor kent preached for two weeks that turned into three and um he started the advent series so after after you know we went through the advent series and uh you know we had the new year uh then last week um 
uh, Sean Futch was with us. Today we're picking up where we left off November 13th of last year. Um, and we're going to break this down into three smaller sections. I think that's going to help us grasp it a little bit better. So beginning with verse 16, <coughs> it says, Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of what's, what was to come. The substance is the Messiah. Now, Paul here is trying to get the Colossians to focus on God. Notice what he says here. He says the substance is the Messiah. He is trying to get them you know, to look at God and not to slip into being refocused on other things. He says it's not a shadow. He says it's not, you know, that's not the shadow that you're looking at, but that substance, it it may, a shadow, you know, and it may look like walking with God, but it's a distraction that refocuses us on something other than God. And it gets our attention off of him. And we need to look up. We need to look up and see who or what we are really following. We're in a very dangerous place when we get our focus off of God and we refocus and we focus on something else. Because what happens is when you get your mind off of Christ and and anything, even those things that seem good, you know, it's even those things that seem good. You know, we need to be we need to be very careful about that. You are drawn to what you put your attention on. Do you remember learning how to drive? And when you learned how to drive and they told you to do what? Look down the road. Don't look at the side there. Don't look at the side of the road. Why? Because that's where you're, that's where you'll point the car. If you look down the road, then that's where you go. When I, when I mow my lawn, I try to keep focused down at, at the end. And when I don't, when I look at the, where the wheels are, and then I turn around, I look back, and you got, you know, kind of goes like this just a, just a little bit, you know. Uh, you're drawn to what you're focused on. And when we refocus on something other than God, the problem is we begin to head that way. Now, Paul's guidance to the Colossians here, I think, can help us to check our focus and to look up to Christ, to look up at Christ more, to remind us of that. The first thing here he mentions right here is to let no one judge you. Look up to Christ. He says, therefore, don't let anyone judge you. Yeah, don't, don't let them judge you and look at you. Now, what he's addressing here, notice what he says in regard to food, drink, matters of festival and new moon. What he's addressing here is what we commonly refer to as legalism. And that's what he's addressing. That legalism is, is a strict, a literal or excessive conformity to the law. Uh, that's what legalism is here. And, and, you know, in Jesus' day, the Jewish leaders had spelled out exactly how many steps you could walk on the Sabbath day. And if you walked one more step than that, you violated the law. You sinned. They also had, you know, they, they had other rules. If, if, if you spit on the Sabbath and your spittle rolled in the dirt and formed mud, you worked. You violated the Sabbath and you sinned. And, you know, if you recall, you can see many times in the Gospels where, you know, some of the Jewish leaders got really honked off with Jesus because he did things, you know, it violated the law. He healed a blind man on the Sabbath. And he did it by doing what? Making mud. 
and putting it on the guy's eyes. You know, and, and he, you know, so he was, uh, he, he certainly was a sinner in their minds. His followers plucked heads of grain as they walked through the fields and rubbed it in their hands. And so what did they, they worked, you see, because they were harvesting and winnowing. And so they sinned. That's legalism. Legalism focuses on the letter of the law as an end in itself. That obeying the law is what is important. The relationship with God really gets knocked out of the picture. It's, it's following, you know, the letter of the law. It ignores the spirit of the law and it ignores who the law points to, which is Christ. And he says, you know, the substance is the Messiah. The reason you should avoid legalism and falling under judgment is really revealed before verse 16. Notice it starts with the word therefore. Uh, you know, that ties into the verses coming before this, which you may have forgotten about over the last two months since we looked at them. So, you know, the, the, the basis for not letting anyone, inc- including yourself, you need to understand that. You know, include yourself. Don't let anyone, including yourself, bring you under judgment for legalism. You say, including myself, sure. You ever feel a little less because you didn't do your devotions in the morning? Now, that's a good thing to sit and read the Bible, you know, and to read the Bible every morning. I would encourage you to do it. In fact, I, I think it's a very good thing. But if you think that in and of itself is what makes you God's person, you're sadly mistaken. You see, so we can even be guilty of, uh, of you know, this whole legalism thing, uh, even against ourselves. And he says, let no one judge you, you know, including that, not, not anyone, including yourself. Don't be brought under judgment for legalism because we are forgiven and we're made alive in Christ and what he has done, not by following the law. We are made alive for what, by what Christ has done for us, not because we read the Bible, not because we didn't murder. It's a good thing not to murder. You know, I'm not saying you ignore those things. What I'm saying is, you know, you, you don't, you know, you can't think you're better than someone else because, well, I followed the law. No, any worth we have comes because of what Christ has done. Now, take just a minute and glance back up at a few of these verses that we covered a couple of months ago. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, the entire fullness of God's nature, the entire fullness of God's deity dwells bodily in Christ. Now, he says that that entire fullness of all that God is, all that God is dwells bodily in Christ. You need to grasp a hold of that. Verse 13, 14 says, and when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive in him and forgave all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. Verse 16, therefore, because he has done this for us, because of what we have in Christ, because we are forgiven in him, because we are made alive in him, because of that, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food or drink in a matter of festival, a new moon or the Sabbath day. Don't let anyone judge you into how well you keep the law. Don't put yourself under that judgment either. 
as those with a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are directed and live under grace, not under law. Romans chapter 6. For sin will not rule over you. Why? Because you're not under law, but under grace. We're directed by grace, not the law. Our relationship with God is based on grace. It is not based on following the law. Our relationship with him is not based on following the law. Now, if we say that we have to follow... If you say you have to follow the law to be a Christian, if you say you have to do that, then what you are saying is what Christ did on the cross was insufficient. If you say that, you know, we have to, we have to, you know, live by the law, we have to obey this in order to be saved. If you're saying that that's what you need to do in order to be a a, a Christian, in order to be saved, if you're saying that's what's necessary, then what you're saying is the sacrifice of Christ on the cross was not enough, and we have to add to that. That we add our obedience to that to make us right. That's not what God tells us. That, that, that's not what, it's, what it says. It's the, the sacrifice of Christ is sufficient, and we are forgiven. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, uncircumcision of your flesh. He made you alive and forgave all our trespasses. He raised that certificate of the debt with its obligations against us, opposed to us, and has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross by the work he did. The law was simply to point to the Messiah. The law was to point them to the Messiah so they could see, so they could realize what it is. Now, for us, the law points to Christ and what he's done for us on the cross. Now, the law has a purpose. Even today, it has a purpose. Don't say that. I'm, I don't, don't think I'm saying that, you know, it, it's irrelevant. That's not, the, that's not it at all. The law repeatedly reveals the holiness and character of God. Leviticus chapter 11, he says, For I am Yahweh, your God. So you must consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. You must not defile yourselves by any swarming creature that crawls on the ground. For I am Yahweh who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. So you must be holy because I am holy. And then he goes into the law explaining, explaining what it is that that reveals his holiness and, and, and all that is, Leviticus chapter 19, the Lord spoke to Moses, speak to the entire Israelite community and tell them, be holy because I, Yahweh, your God, am holy. And then he reveals more of the law. He reveals more of his holiness, more of his character, more of what, uh, of what, uh, uh, what, uh, life lifestyle well maybe that's a bad picture for us more of the character of who he is and we see that in in the law you know the law repeatedly reveals the holiness of god over and over again why can't these things be in the presence of god because he's a holy god because he is a holy god the law tells us right there is a shadow of what is to come The substance is the Messiah. The law is a shadow. The substance, the reality is the Messiah, is Christ. 
Don't let others judge you in regard to the law, in regard to that obedience. And here's what it usually comes to. That obedience of what they think it means to be a Christian. The obedience of what they think your life needs to be like. I've told you before, you know, I, I, I've had people stand right on that porch and tell me, you know, what a lousy Christian I am. Because I wasn't doing things their way. He's telling us, he's telling us here that the law is a shadow of what is to come. The substance, the reality is the Messiah is Christ. Don't let others judge you in regard to the law and don't judge yourself according to the law. When you judge yourself according to the law, what's going to happen is you are going to hit that mark and you're going to coast. You're going to hit that mark and you're going to kick back. I don't want to make any of you uncomfortable. Maybe I do. When you're done reading your Bible in the morning and you've accomplished something and you feel good and you close that Bible and you put it on the shelf. How often do you think of that during the day, what you just read? Is what you just read incorporated into your day? You see, when we judge ourselves by the law, we, hit this, we get to a certain point and we sit back and we put our feet up. And we coast. Don't do that, he says. Don't do that. You know, make sure you're following Christ. Look up. He surpasses the law. Living for him. Live for him. Pick up with me. Verse 18. There's that phrase again. Let no one disqualify you. Let no one judge you. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on aesthetic practices and the worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm and inflated without cause by his unspiritual mind. He doesn't hold on to the head from whom the whole body nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons develops and grows and develops with growth. From God. Now, if you look at the footnote, if you have the Holman Christian Standard Bible there, verse 18 has a footnote. And if you look at the footnote, you see that that can be translated, let no one cheat us out of your prize. The New American Standard Bible translates it, take care that no one keeps defrauding you of your prize. The word means to declare unworthy of a prize. And it's a word that was used in of sporting competition. It is a word that described an umpire disqualifying you because you didn't follow the rules. You know that you locked your hands. Oh, yeah. You know, you know this is this is the picture that he's saying there. Let no one judge you and disqualify you, you know, because you, because you haven't, because you haven't kept the rules. Let no one confuse you. 
Look up to Christ. Now, when I say, you know, confuse you, you know, don't, don't let anyone defraud you of your freedom in Christ. Look at verse 18. Insisting, notice what it says. You know, don't let him disqualify you. Why? Insisting on aesthetic practices and the worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm. Some claimed, and some still do claim, that there is a deeper level of spirituality that is only available to the initiated. That's what he says. You know, don't these aesthetic practices, only available to the initiated. You know, claiming access to a visionary realm, only accessed, you know, by, by a select few. He's saying, don't, don't let that happen to you. It reminds me of those who insist, you know, that speaking in tongues is a deeper, more proper worship of God. It's not. It's not. In fact, if you read, if you read through some of those passages, um, it kind of tells you to move on from some of that stuff. But uh, there is no hidden agenda. God doesn't have a you know God doesn't have a hidden agenda. There's there's no secret to gaining more of Christ. God is not holding back on you. You know He is He is not making you jump through certain hoops before He'll be available to you. Yeah, he's he's second he, Peter, second Peter, chapter one. It says his divine power has given us everything, has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness has given past tense. When we come to him, he has given us everything we need. He, has, he isn't withholding something. He isn't saying, well, you know, a little bit further and I'm going to give you more. A little bit further and I'm going to give you more. You know, that's, that's, that's not what he's saying at all. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9, it says, he made known. He made known, already having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he planned in him. Now, certainly we grow, you know, we, we grow in our understanding, and this is what these verses talk about. He's given us everything, you know, that is required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. We grow in that knowledge and, you know, that, that increase, but not through some secret ceremony, not through becoming worthy by obeying the law. It's not because of any worthiness on our part. It is because he is God. And because he is God, he has given us his divine power and everything required. He has made known to us the mystery of the will. Because he is God, not because we have, not, not because we're such good dudes, you know. Not because, well, you know what? <laughs> a couple chips to you, you know. You, got, you did a good job, you know. Let me give you a couple. That's not it. That's not what God's doing. That's not that what it is at all. Let no one make you think that you have less of God available to you, even now. Don't let anyone do that to you. Let no one deceive you into thinking that you need to follow certain rules in order to gain a deeper walk with God, a deeper power with Him. You know, as we follow Christ, as we follow God and His Word, we will find we're more settled in our relationship with Him. That's simply growth and maturity. As we know Him better, we will be more settled with Him. My first date with Ginny, well, it was very nice. But I am more settled with her now than I was then. I am more settled with her now than I was two years into our marriage. I am more settled with her now than I was a year ago. You see, because as we grow in that knowledge and we grow in that relationship, 
we become more settled and more at peace. And this is what he's talking about here. This is what he's talking about. You know, Don't let anyone take that away from you by refocusing your attention on anyone or anything other than Christ. Don't get it off onto anything else. Some things seem godly, but they're not God. You know, some things, even good things, they're not God. The law, a deeper knowledge, he talks, and here it talks about, you know, and, and angels. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on aesthetic practices and the worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm. I don't want to hurt your feelings. But when grandma died, she didn't become an angel. Okay? You need to know that. You need to understand that. Nothing against your grandma. She doesn't become an angel. Angels are created beings created by God. People are people. When we leave this world and step into eternity, we remain us. We don't turn into angels. You don't get little wings and all that stuff. And I hope I'm not hurting your feelings. I hope I'm straightening your theology out, perhaps. Revelation chapter 19. The angel is very clear to John here that we're not to worship angels. John is is, uh, speaking with an angel and an angel before him. And John says, then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said, don't do that. Don't do that. And I don't know how he did it, but that's, you know. Just remember, I'm not an angel, nor will I ever be. Uh, don't do that. I'm a fellow slave with you and your brothers who have the testimony about Jesus. Worship God. Worship God because the testimony about Jesus and the spirit of prophecy. You know, trying to reach God, trying to reach God through anything or anyone but Jesus is idolatry. It's idolatry. John chapter 14, verse 6, very clear. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. He is what? The way. Not a way. Not one of many ways. Not one, well, you know what? They're, they're getting to God their way. and I'm get... Do you believe what Jesus said or don't you? Jesus said, I am the way. Well, you know, I got my truth old. I'm so tired of hearing that. Your truth. I am the truth. You have your viewpoint. Call it what it is. You know, and I am and I am the life. No one, not one single person, not the best person in the world, not the most devout Buddhist or anything else. No one comes to no one no one you know, comes to the father except through Jesus. Well, that's pretty rude and ignorant. No it isn't. It's clear. Jesus is trying to be clear. He is talking to his disciples. Thomas said, "We don't even know where you're going. How are we ever going to know the way? We don't know. We don't have the foggiest idea where you're going." We figured we were walking this earth with you, and now you tell us you're leaving, and now you tell us you're going to go, go, and these guys are going to arrest you. We just think you're nuts. Where are you going? What in the world is going on here? 
He might have been a little more calm. Jesus is answering his direct question. We don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus wants, them, wants to be very clear. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you're going if, if to... I looked up the, the uh, route to Washington, D.C. We're planning on going to Washington, D.C. over spring break uh, with Michael and Mandy and the kids. Uh, and so I looked it up. And you know what? I am not heading west on I-80. You say, well, duh. Yeah. You see, we, we, you, want, you want the right directions. You want the right information. Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said, here is the right information. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He is being clear as he can be. He is being, you know, letting them know. When Timothy was writing, or excuse me, when Paul was writing to Timothy, he said, you know, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. How many? Just one. And it isn't Muhammad. And it isn't Joseph Smith. And it isn't Pat Ryan. It's Jesus Christ. A life-giving relationship with God in and through Christ Jesus is what we need. Don't get confused. Look up to Him. And he goes on, you know, those who don't look up, who don't look to Christ, and instead they substitute a lesser thing, you know, they, 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 a lesser focus, following the law, some secret knowledge. Uh, they cut themselves off from the head, it says, verse 19. Cut themselves off from the head. They cut themselves off from Christ. And Christ is where the whole body is nourished, held together by its ligaments, tendons, develops with growth from uh, from God. Uh, the body is used to picture those, the connections between God and his people and, and among God's people many, many places in scripture, you know, but, but Christ is the head. In order to be spiritually healthy, you have to be connected and growing, you know, to the head, uh, you know, according, with, with, with Christ. You have to be connected there. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 says, and he put everything under his feet and appointed him as head, Christ as head over everything for the church. Ephesians chapter 4, but speaking the truth in love, uh, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ who is the head, Christ from him, the whole body, you know, from him that body fitted together, knit by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love and the proper working of each individual part a little later in ephesians for the husband is head of the wife as christ is the head of the church he is the savior of the body there is no growth there is no growth no true life separated from the head when jenny and i oh, it was before we had kids so 47 years ago or so uh, we went to florida to see, oh, well, one of the things we did while we were there is uh, stopped to, to see my sister and brother-in-law. You know, they have a home down there in Jupiter, Florida. If you know where that is, well, okay. Anyway, uh, so we were we were having uh, breakfast. They live. Their house was 
cut into the jungle. There were not many houses around him at that point. You took these dirt roads, stone places, and all this stuff. And um, they used to bring guns with them in the car to shoot their way back into the house. I'm not exaggerating here. Um, you know, t- uh, taking care of snakes. Uh, my sister came out one time because the ducks were making a lot of noise by the pond. And so she went over by the edge of the pond, and she's... Telling it, well, what's the matter with you? And she looks over, and there's a bobcat or something sitting on the side of whoa, you know. Uh, and so anyway, we were getting ready for breakfast this one morning, and uh, we're in the dining room, and they had sliding glass doors that looked out over the, the, the patio. They call it something different in Florida, and you know, then beyond into the yard. So my sister was finishing getting some stuff together in the kitchen, and she saw this squirrel jumping up and down and she got the binoculars and looked she said because one time a squirrel sat on a red anthill and it was kind of funny um so she thought that's what's happened so she got the binoculars and she's looking and there's a snake you know balled up there and she comes running in in the dining room with us and she said ron there's a snake and he says Get my gun, you know, and he takes off out there, you know, with bare feet and stuff. And so, you know, he gets a gun and bam, bam, bam. Well, when he starts shooting it, it's two rattlesnakes apparently making more rattlesnakes. Uh, so they were, you know, they were doing their thing there until he started shooting them and then they, they take off and he yells, get my other gun. And she runs out to the car and gets his other gun. Whereupon he takes off into the underbrush. After the snake that went there shooting this thing, boom, boom, get the hole. You know, and he goes and gets the hole, get the shovel. You know, he cuts their heads off. And so he, he brings the, he brings these snakes bodies back and flops them in the yard and takes the heads and goes and buries them somewhere. And we're sitting there, you know, these two city people from Chicago. Who there was no way I was stepping outside that door. Yeah, you just go around. Take care of that, Ron. Uh, and so we're, we're sitting there eating breakfast. The whole time we're eating breakfast, these snake bodies that he brought over there were, with, were slithering and moving around the whole time. The whole time. While we're eating breakfast. I said, this is bacon, isn't it? Uh, you know... <laughs> But you see, they were detached from their heads. All that wriggling and jiggling around was totally without purpose, was without any semblance of order. All it is freak us out. Uh, you know, but that, that, you know, there, there, was, there, there was no purpose to their movements. Any meaningful growth will only come as long as you are connected to Christ, the head. You know, the, the, the one setting the direction, the one giving us life, the one bringing purpose. The head helps, helps the body work together. Biblically, there's no such thing as an independent Christian. If you think you're a Christian, you don't have to go to church, you're reading the wrong book. If you think that gathering together with God's people is, is not important, then you are, you are making up your own gospel. You are making up your own, your own word of God. Because God's pretty clear that it's the body working together. We are meant to function together as a body. Don't let anyone confuse you on this. Look up to Christ, the head. Be sure you're following him. Let's real quick hit these last couple of verses. Verse 20. 
If you died with the Messiah to the elemental forces of the world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to its regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. All these regulations refer to what is destroyed by being used up. They're commands and doctrines of men. Although these have a reputation of wisdom by promoting aesthetic practices, humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. Don't let anyone enslave you. Don't let anyone enslave you. Look up to Christ. He says, you know, that in Christ you're free from, you are free from regulations to achieve righteousness. The Word of God is important, and following the Word of God is important, but it is not a means to righteousness. You know, the, the, Christ is who, the one who gives us righteousness. We're called to care for our bodies. You know, it is some discipline. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians chapter 6 says, Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You are, we are to glorify God in how we use our body and in how we care for our body. We don't have time to get into that more. First Timothy chapter 4, he says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness is value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Care for your body as an act of worship, not as an object of worship. Huge difference there. Huge difference. Care for your body as an act of worship, as an act of worship, not as an object of worship. You know, he, he calls us, he calls us to, to be his. We're to be in this world, but not of the world. As in John 17, again, as he's with his disciples shortly before the crucifixion, he says, I'm not praying, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world as he's praying for his disciples. I'm praying you not take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world as I am not of this world. Now, this doesn't mean, this doesn't mean that you ignore the world and simply do your own thing. In fact, it's quite the opposite. You see, we're not we're not called to be we're not called to be to be rebels. I did I didn't mean to put that one up yet, so just ignore it for a minute. Yeah. Go backwards one, and then it'll be easier for us. See, now you can ignore it. We're not. Don't worry. We're not called to be rebels without a cause. We're called to be representatives with a cause. We are representatives of Christ. We're not just to do our own thing. We're not just to, you know, mow everybody down. We're representatives with a cause, not rebels just blasting things in there. The regulations, you know, of the law, they were proof. Man cannot keep law on his own. And we need life that's only found in Christ. Forgiveness, new life, the power to live a new life, along with the forgiveness when we sin. And the strength when we come to him to live this new life out. Following regulations doesn't make us righteous. We're made righteous in Christ. And then he gives us the desire and the power to live out a new life committed to him. The focus is not, the focus is not and never should be on practices and conduct. The focus is on what Christ has done and what Christ is doing in us. Look up and follow him. 
Don't be distracted. You know, don't be distracted and focus on, on things that are less than Christ. Look up. Make sure that you are following the right person. Focus on Christ. Focus on Christ and follow him. Let's pray. Father, um, we're so very grateful that you have given us all we need for life and godliness in our Savior. Now, we have to admit that sometimes we've looked other places. Sometimes we've refocused our attention. Help us to focus on you. Help us to understand more of what a great God you are, what a loving God you are, what a powerful God you are, what a forgiving God you are, what an empowering God you are. And that you will take us and help us to be the people you've called us to be. It's not by our efforts, it's by your grace and your power and your mercy. Now, we do want to try to do those things that please you, Father, but it's because we know you more deeply. It's because we come to understand a little bit more what it means uh, that you are God and a little bit more what it means that we are your people and that we are your representatives. Not as, a, not, not as something to earn credit, but something because you have forgiven our life. You have forgiven our sins and our life is changed and our life is lived for you. Because we are different. So, Father, don't let, us, don't let us follow other things. Help us to continue to follow you in all that we do and the people we are. To bring you glory and honor, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.